All right, welcome to another episode of the Empowerment Podcast, Perspective Podcast. I am Demiso Josie alongside... Stacey Sanderson-Dick. How's it going, Stacey? It's going. We have a good week or week two or how long we've been apart? Only about a week this time. Yeah. Vacation's over. Yeah. Kids got to go back to school. School's starting They need to go back to school. The question is, are you ready for that change and going back to school? The summer's over and how do you prepare? I'm just ready for them to go back to school. They're at each other's throats like 24 hours a day, so I'm Got done. You. Done. I understand. I feel I want some normalcy. Like, I'm, you know, kids stay up late and they wake up whenever they want to. I need the routine. So Then I complain about the routine, though. I don't want to make lunch. I don't feel like getting up early. I don't feel like checking homework. No. But it has to get done. It has to get done. Your kids go back tomorrow, right? Yes, Ooh. yes. At least mine got a couple more days uh, for that to happen. Well, last week, again, we want to thank Dr. Stephanie Iglesias for stopping by and shedding some information on the topic that we discussed, which was... Your value system and how it drives your actions. Ah, what was the biggest thing that you got out of that podcast? Um, I don't know. I guess we all kind of get our values from how we grew up and mm. whether that drives us to instill the same things in our kids or the opposite, right. you know. Everybody kind of gets it from where they grew up. Right. The biggest piece for me is that how do you put that into your children? And we kind of came to a discovery of like you kind of model that behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely see it manifested in my kids um, for good and bad. There's yes. bad qualities about me that <laughs> Jaden definitely has. Um, but um, it just, you know, knowing and modeling that behavior is so, so huge. So just to recap, recap again, uh, the first podcast, you know, we, we talked about self-assessment. Then we went into your value system, and today we're going to be talking about mindset, you know, how to get that mind and that mentality ready um, for any situation that you have in life, which is really, really important. Um, So we have a special guest in the studio today, Mr. Demetrius Poles. How you doing, sir? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good morning. Uh, This is a special one for me because he's like a brother to me. Like, he he grew up with me and, um, you know, definitely somebody I look up to. Um, just to give a little bit of background information about him, and I, you know, I can go on forever talking about him. But obviously, a great basketball player at Dulce Regional High School, um, went on to play at the college level. Started at St. Joe's University, correct? Mm-hmm. And then um, transferred to Rowan. You won a national championship there. Yep. Uh, won one in high school. I mean, talk about winning. The guy yeah. knows how to win. <laughs> um, played professionally overseas in a number of places. You can tell us a couple of places you played overseas. Yeah, well, I lived in Sweden for 14 years, um, but I played in Europe all around the Middle East and in South America, Russia, Finland for three years, Poland, Italy, Germany, Denmark, Latvia, um, Argentina, Jordan, Lebanon for two years, lived in Beirut for two years. Um, Where else? Uh, I've been all over the map, basically, all over Qatar, lived in Doha. Got a lot of stamps in that passport, huh? Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yep. That's dope. And then once you retired from playing professionally, you uh, became a coach, correct? Yeah, I started started coaching. And it's a funny story. I, I was in Argentina. And I, like I said, I was always living in Sweden. 2003, my final year playing professional ball. And I got a call from Sweden. My Swedish, the, co- the guy who coached me in Sweden, he's American, but he's still living in Sweden. He called and told me, Demetrius, I know you're done, but you're coaching right away. I'm like, damn, what are you talking about? He was like, you're coaching as soon as you get off the plane from Argentina. I'm like, I don't even think about it yet. He's like, you're one of the smartest players I ever coached, man. You, This is your calling out here. This, you have to do this. I'm like, all right, Dan, we'll see when I get back. But, it, I mean, it was like the middle of the season. I really didn't think about it. I'll focus on my you know, finishing the season strong. And then when I got back uh, to Sweden, he put me on he put me on the bench and the natural thing started coming out to me as a coach, and then I started growing, and then I started working with the NBA for nine years in Italy, and I became a Swedish national team coach. I went to two finals in Sweden, uh, championships as a coach, two different clubs in four, uh, four years, and I had a lot of success. So you had championships in high school, you had championships in college, you uh, coached some championship teams. We definitely have a winner yes, in, in the building today. <laughs> so I think it's really, really important for us to, um, you know, talk about this topic today and in mindset. And uh, we're going to get into how you prepared your players. Um, we can talk about how you prepared yourself when you were playing um, to get ready for that, that big game or that big moment. Um, and then we're going to make that transition to how we can use those skills in life, which is um, really, really important. Um, but Stacy, tell us what, 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 what do you think about mindset? Like how important is it to you? I think it's it, very important. It's crucial for any success that you have in life, 
sports. Um, if you're not, your head's not right, you're not in the game, or you're negative, we talk about the blame game. Mm -hmm. It's all on you, and mindset has a lot to do with it. So yeah. I'm excited for this one, because the first two was kind of getting you established, our podcast, where we currently are. This is the one where you start taking some action right. to start growing a right. little bit if you're in a not-so-wonderful mindset. That's in, it, Breaking out of that bad mindset is, is really difficult. Um, I'm... <laughs> I'm working on it. Working on it. Working uh, on it. Can't be. Can't be that it's bad. A running theme, I think, through the podcast is I'm struggling. I'm working on it, but we're taking this journey together, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you're yeah. already kind of there, but I'm, <laughs> I, this is the one I really am trying daily to Listen, do better. I'm not with. there. I'm pretending. You know, somebody's got to hold this thing together and make make it make it run correctly. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm really messed up, and I really did some bad things. I need to, you know, focus a little bit more. <laughs> um, I guess for me, um, in mindset, because I do so many things, I have to learn how to sort of departmentalize my life. Like, you know what I'm saying? I try to, when I go to work and, and work with those kids, I can't think about stuff at home because I can't fix it. And when I'm here, I try not to think about work, even though, you know, people email me and text me all day long and, and all that stuff. So I, I try to break it up so that I can really be in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, as, as best as I possibly can. Um, so I guess, how do you as a mother prepare yourself um, in the morning, like mentally, or are you just kind of coffee, <laughs> coffee, <laughs> coffee, coffee. Um, it's, I think it's something you have to start daily. Like as soon as you get out of bed, you have to be grateful that you're alive, you're healthy or, you know, whatever you're grateful for, you have to start with that mindset. And that kind of gets the ball rolling a little bit. If you wake up and it's like, Oh my back, Oh my God, I gotta get up early. Mm -hmm. You set yourself off on the wrong foot right out of bed. Mm -hmm. So I try to wake up and go through a couple of things I'm grateful for in my mind and set a couple goals for the day. Right. But usually when they're up, that kind of goes out the window gotcha. and they're fighting me on this and that already. And <laughs> so the, as, a, as a coach, Demetrius, like what, walk us through what you do to prepare mentally, I guess, before games. Well, bef before a game, because um, you're leading up to the week in practice, you, you want to have that mindset of, you're getting your team better and you're getting yourselves better and you're instilling some, a lot of positive reinforcement because you want to develop a healthy mindset and be very competitive. And the mindset that we have that we try to teach our kids at, at the college level is you want the other team to, to be uncomfortable. You don't want to f spend most of your time, you know, scouting them and try to take everything they do. Mm -hmm. You know, take one thing away that they do well and that's pretty much fine because if you focus on yourself and you develop habits and, you, and, and, and you, like say if you, we play fast, mm -hmm. we want to push that ball down their throat. We don't care what they do. We know what player we have to stop, of course, and we know which kid is a good rebound or anything like that. We know that, but we don't press ourselves too much on what they do. Mm -hmm. we, we put all our energy into us because mm -hmm. we want them to make adjustments. We want them to think about, wow, they're really running the ball to court. We can't stop it. What can we do? Okay. So we don't we don't go into a game or even into practice putting too much energy on the other team. All of our energy goes on to us because we want people to adjust to us. Mm -hmm. And that's a healthy mindset that you have to cultivate. And it's about repetition, doing it day in and day out, putting yourself in difficult situations in practice, like almost impossible. You're down, it's two minutes left to go and you're down by 15 points. Yeah. So you want to practice those moments, even if you don't come back and win, you cultivate a healthy mindset on how to conquer that almost impossible aspect. Because when the game comes, you want the game to be easy. Mm -hmm. You want the game to be not even a, you know, no pressure on you. Yeah. But you want that mindset of staying aggressive, staying focused, and, and also staying calm. And also believing in staying calm in, in torrential moments. It can mm -hmm. be some bad moments. Because basketball is a lovely game. It goes... It's, a lot of ebbs and flows, mm -hmm. yeah. but it's about how you, your mindset would take you out of that, you know, the bad parts. So you, you want to stay positive, but you want to challenge yourself, and it's all about repetition and focusing on yourself instead of the, the opponent so much. I think you make a <clears throat> great point in life in general. Like, if we just focused on ourselves and stop worried about what everyone else is doing, you know, and make people adjust to us, like, you know what I mean? I think that's how you start with that winning process in, in life. I mean, we, too many of us are way too focused on, you know, how I look and how my appearance or what other people think about me. I said it before no, in the podcast, I can care less what people think about me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you come to the gym, <clears throat> you know you got competition, you know it's a possibility that you may lose. That's a gentleman's agreement, all about competition. But focus on yourself and focus on what you can do 
and in practice of leading to games, put yourself in tight and hard situations where you, like I just mentioned, you, you put yourself in a situation where you're down 15 points with two minutes left in the game. Naturally, you know you may, you're going to lose. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but you still want to do the best you can in practice to put yourself in a situation where if you're down by seven with two minutes ago, you got a great chance. Because mm -hmm. you, 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 if you don't practice these difficult aspects, you can't cultivate a healthy mindset. Mm -hmm. You'll just, you know, just be even Steven and, mm -hmm. and just happy going with the flow. That's why I love the game of basketball. It's so <clears> much <throat> like life. Like, you know what I mean? You face with so much adversity. How do you respond to that? Like, are you going to quit or are you going to lay down? Yeah. Um, the only difference is, is that in life, you don't have practice. Like, you're in game time all the yeah. time. All the time. You know what yeah. I mean? And you got to make those adjustments. But mm -hmm. you got to be in the right mindset to, to do it. I know, you know, growing up, you know, it was like survival mode. Like, every single day trying to get to, you know, to that point. So, anytime, everything was negative. So, for me, it wasn't like it was like those ebb and flows. But now I'm in a position where there is those times that, you know, there's high times and low times. And I got to constantly adjust and shift and do those things to get that mindset and be in the right mindset to be able to conquer those things. Yes. And, and you, you got to, part of having a, a good mindset is, is accepting failure. There's nothing wrong with failing. No. It doesn't mean you, you know, you're, you're failing mm -hmm. on purpose. It means you're learning mm -hmm. and you learn from those failures. And that's, that's cultivating a mm -hmm. healthy mindset. And it, like you said, it's off the course. Every thought you have is a mindset. Mm -hmm. Every result that you get out of your response to something that happens, positive or negative, is the result of your mindset. Mm. So if you're if you're if you're a positive person, if you if you're if you're a competitive person in, in sports, I mean, you can overcome a lot. Even if you come up short in a game, you know where to go back to and draw back to moments where you can fix, mm -hmm. and then take it to the next week and be ready for the mm -hmm. next opponent. Stacey, talk about, let's talk about um, those times where you kind of have the, that Murphy's Law day and everything just seems not to go right. Like, how do you work yourself out of those, that, those situations mentally? Like, how do you handle Some, it? Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have to just go to bed and start fresh the next day. But I know a lot of times I try to just take five minutes to kind of focus on what's important. And you have to start letting that stuff go. Mm -hmm. um, I think in life, you are your competition. Mm -hmm. I don't think you really should be sizing yourself up against anybody mm -hmm. else. You just need to be the better version of yourself than you were five minutes ago, yesterday, exactly. a year ago. Exactly. Right. And just constantly growing. And that goes back to our self-assessment piece. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to make that assessment and be like, okay, in my failures, you know, what, what lesson can I learn from that so tomorrow I don't make those, those same mistakes in, in life? Don't, I mean, don't beat yourself up too bad. You, you, know, you get I, a new day, you get a new hour, you always have that fresh start right. when well, you're ready to turn the page. That's my downfall. I, I kill myself. Like, oh, I, yeah. I get so, so angry and, and so defeated. I mean, borderline depression sometimes. Um, but, you know, I sit, get, you know, sit still and kind of reflect on those things and try to better myself tomorrow I'm so a competitor like I, I want to win tomorrow like I lost today it's fine but I'm gonna go back out there you're not gonna beat me absolutely um, and I think a lot of that really stems to how we grew up you know what I mean yeah and um just learning how to how to win like we, we refuse to lose at the end of the day yeah it was all about bettering ourselves and 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 just trying to be the best you can be and bring it as a as a group as a collective group you you that that's positive reinforcement if everybody's on board. Mm -hmm. And that helps you personally, it helps you as a collective group, and you and success can come out of that. Right. I think you hit a, a great point, and which probably for another podcast, but we'll, we'll talk about it now, is the group of people that you're with got to have that same mindset, that mm -hmm. same mentality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're with people that aren't on that same level with you, as you are, you're not going to you know get that support. I think one of the biggest things, as you mentioned, when we grew up, like we all were on the same uh, mindset to the point where we not gonna let you fail. You know yeah. what I mean? And there was a sort of accountability on your end too. I don't want to fail because I want to look bad, you know, mm -hmm. and lose that core group of people. So um, being with people, like-minded people, is really really important. Do you um, find when you first get your players that there is a lot of work on that part, like the mindset, like they come in maybe not having faced too much adversity and losing, and they you know they come in on that high horse, but they don't have that mindset. Well, well. Coming from high school and then you go to college uh, and then you go to college to pros, when you make that adjustment, you have to be ready. I tell my kids, you're going to fail. It's not going to be as easy as high school. You can forget about mm -hmm. it. You're going to have competition and practice. You're going to play against players that you've never, some talent you've never played against. Mm -hmm. You're going to see some styles that you never played against in high school. So you have to be prepared to fail and that's okay. But that's all culminating to a, good, a new start at a higher level so you can 
you know, adjust to the college game, adjust to the speed, adjust to the strength, adjust mm-hmm. to, you know, all the aspects that entails it, adjust to going to school all day mm-hmm. and coming to practice mm-hmm. and be ready to have a good practice because the coach is going to demand a good practice whether you like it or not. But you you got to get up in the morning and, you know, you got to get your, the night before you got to get your sleep and then you get up in the morning and you got to go through your day. So the, I tell these kids that, you know, I'm not surprised if you fail. So don't take it too hard on yourself. I expect that, but you got to jump. You got to adjust to it, and you got to learn from it. So, so what do you? You have this player that came in, let's say, and really didn't experience failure on a significant level. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just say they're the privileged player. Like, how do you? And when that failure is coming, like you said, like how do you get yeah, them to adjust? Even as a parent, like how do you get your kids to adjust to failure? Well, I mean, if you if you're telling them. It's all how they take it, and how, how and how, as a parent, how you give it. If you make them feel like they're a failure, if you, you know they're gonna they're gonna take that as I'm failing, I'm a failing person. Mm. If you tell them you fail but learn from it, and this is how you learn from it, and this is how you should adjust, and let me give you some tips. You're growing up, you you know, you you you're setting them up for a winning situation mm. out of that failure. Because you, you, as long as you learn from it, and as long as you take it as a parent. You have to let your kids, you have to empower your kids. I love that word empowerment. That's, that's my, that's my word. The empowerment perspective podcast. Yeah, I, I love that word. And that's my word going into the season. You, you, I mean, we all fail in everything we do, but the mindset, which goes in every, all across the board, if you're, if you're positive, you can learn something out of it. Then you take that step forward. That was deep. Mm-hmm. Like I had to stop and, and think about that. That's, that's definitely uh, that empowerment piece is, is so important um, and it, to me it ties into self-worth and all those things mm-hmm. too which is really really important but it does put you in that right frame of mind and that right mindset if you, you think of it from that perspective like um, even as a parent like I need to empower my children um, to make decisions like I love the fact that when you walked in you was like you know your son forgot something about going in, in the pool and you was like well I make them pack their own stuff up like that's a sense of like Same with his own book bag right yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> I give them the lead we we going over to Mr. Miso's house they have a pool get your swimming trunks I'm getting myself ready you get yourself <laughs> ready that's a little failure but you learn from, you it. from it. Next yeah, time yes. I bring, make sure I bring my shorts. And I, I don't scold him for that. And, hey, swim the shorts you got on. Right. Yeah. It makes it work. He has to adjust. Yes. I didn't put him in a corner or punish him for it. Right. So, you know, making his self-worth go completely down because I got a, I forgot some shorts. Come right. on. Yeah. <laughs> so. But when you look at life, like, you're just looking at your son or whatever, you have a long time to teach that lesson. But as a team, you, your season is real short. Yes. Like, I'm, how long, when when does the fuse go off and be like, all right, enough's enough. Uh, <laughs> one thing for sure, the European season is 10 months long, and I love it. <laughs> Here it's five months, and I'm like a crackhead because <laughs> the season's over and I have nothing to do, which I did change. I channeled that into something. But we can talk about that later. But... But, you know, you don't have time. So that process goes back into your recruiting. Mm. Whatever you bring in is what you're going to get out. Whatever you recruit is going to get out. I probably drove from January to June, I probably drove probably 11,000 miles in the wrong car recruiting. Mm. From Maryland, D.C., Philadelphia, all up and down Jersey. Most Most of us in Jersey. I drove up to upstate New York, and you have to evaluate what you're looking at. The first thing I do is body language. Mm. If you have good body language and you're high-fiving your teammates, I'm bringing in a leader. If I'm bringing somebody who sulks because their teammate can't catch the ball or they miss a shot and they, you know, despond it to the rest of the team, I'm not bringing that in. Mm. I don't care how good you are. I want I want to build a championship team, mm-hmm. and you got to put the pieces together and you got to evaluate that. So those kids who are, you know, outgoing and positive and, you know, doing the best they can and, and take moments, like if you're down by four points with 30 seconds left, if a kid can take over the game and say, I want that moment, I want that kid. If a kid shrinks in the moment but tries, I still want that kid. Mm. But if a kid is negative in the moment, I walk away and I get in my car and go back to Glassboro. 
I don't know why I'm thinking relationships when he said that. Like, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, taking this in a whole different direction. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, I feel like, you know, he talked about driving all these miles and, and then reading the body language and, and accepting only a certain type of person. Like, I, I'm thinking relationships. Like, well, those people will learn quicker when you bring them to college. Because like you said, you don't have that much time. Right. Those are, those are kids that respond right away. Well, and it is a relationship. It's a teammate with a coach. It's mm -hmm. that if you know what you can work with and what you can't work with. And some coaches may be able to take that kid that's sulks and does whatever and, yes. and do something with it but you say you don't have the time you want to bring it in and make it gel from the beginning mm. and you want all that like-mindedness it doesn't have to be about the talent yes as long no. as they're willing to try yeah it's about character it's about it's about is, is that is that leader like i brought this book here for james carl legacy this is a beautiful book it's about the business of life it's about the the all blacks it's about the down. The, uh, the rugby team, the right? rugby team yeah, yeah. in Austra uh, New Zealand. Okay. And I've seen them perform on the basketball, not the All Blacks, their rugby, but I've seen them in Italy with their basketball team. Their culture is incredible. They'll go to a game, they'll play the game. After the game, they'll clean up the floor, the game floor. They'll pick up all the water bottles, all the all the towels. It not, may not even be their stuff, hmm. but they they clean the sheds, and that's that's a that's a quote or, from the book. It's about cleaning the sheds and cleaning up everything you do because you want to leave places. When people say, I want to leave the place better than I came, they really do it. That's nice. And this book is great. You can't put the book down. Uh, Joe Christman gave the book uh, to us last year. It's an unbelievable book. Mm. This is one of the best books I ever read in my life. Oh. And, it, and it applies to everything. Mm. It applies to, you know, closing that door. It applies to not parking on the grass like I just did. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be cut anyway, so you helping me out a little bit. Um, but that's that, that's a really, really interesting... Actually, I, I know about the, the team. I didn't read the book, but I you know saw something, a documentary on them. And, you know, that cleaning up the things, you know, and leaving the world a better place than, you know, than, than you, you know, when you experienced it, leaving it in a better place is a, is a huge thing. And I think it, it's speaks to that sense of entitlement that these kids have these yeah. days. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I know we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but I think this is a perfect segue into that that participation trophy that we're going to talk about. We can go about. there first. We can definitely go there. But And, and Demetrius, you could talk about this since you have a different experience like overseas. Like, American children have that sense of entitlement. And you don't necessarily see that over, you know, in all, all places of the world. But how is that a detriment to, to, to our society or to people that have that sense of entitlement? Well... When I left America, I didn't think we were like that. I think it changed quick. When I went to Sweden in 1999, the Swedes, yeah, I love Sweden. I mean, I'm a permanent resident. My kids are born there. I'm a national team coach in Sweden, which is a huge honor for somebody coming from a different country. But they are really, they have a real sense of entitlement. And I'm like, Americans are not like that. Americans not, you know, they want a trophy. They want to win. Everybody should be on the same, the same level, you know, the same stratosphere you know, nobody's above each other they really take that hard when people act out and show off they don't like that but their kids are like i want, i should have this too why if he has it i should have it if i want to, if he won a trophy why can't why does he get a trophy for an mvp yeah you know why does he why does he get that accolade for that they're i'm like it's supposed to be like that's part of competition you have to learn but then when i came back it, it trickled over the ocean years later, here. 14 years, 17 years later, the kids are just like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, you, you guys are really spoiled. Mm -hmm. And I think the detriment is it is just, it, I think it cultivates a weak mindset. Mm -hmm. it, you want everything given to you. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 for example, I tell my kids, you, you, you don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. you, you go to basketball camp and, and something you mentioned earlier, you meet your, your level of competition, mm -hmm. you got to eat humble pie. There's nothing wrong with failing. Mm -hmm. As long as you learn from it, but that sense of entitlement stuff—we get it. We get it here uh, tremendously at Rome, mm -hmm. but you—you you have to balance it out. You have to pull them back mm -hmm. and like, listen. The competition doesn't care if you want a freaking trophy right. or you want some accolade that you really don't deserve. Mm -hmm. So why even fester it in that? Just leave it alone and, and you know take the hard route. Be old school. Mm -hmm. So it's it's pretty. It's pretty surprising that Americans were like this in a society. Because when I left, I didn't think so. But maybe because I didn't have those experiences mm -hmm. overseas. And like I said before, in Eastern Europe, who is still stone hard? They, you know, those kids, those kids are still strapping on the, the cinder blocks and running down the street, <laughs> old Soviet wow. Union style. But they're working for it. Right. <laughs> I think that 
what I'm seeing now, especially in adults, is the same sense of entitlement, especially when you talk about their careers and their jobs and things. And they think they should just get stuff just because they exist and just mm-hmm. because you come to work every day. And, and, and it just blows my mind that the things that I see on a daily basis and, and it's so anti to the way that I was raised and how exactly, I think. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? That, that work ethic is so, so important. It's like one of yeah. my values that we talked about, core values, is work ethic. I guarantee you one thing, you're not going to outwork me. I mean, we can go toe-to-toe, we can get on treadmill, Demetrius, I'm going to outrun you, I'm going to die trying to. I'm just that competitive in me and the fact that I'm going, you know, want to work. Mm-hmm. But I'm seeing it in, 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 you know, career fields and things, and people are, you know, have that sense of entitlement. Like, I don't, I don't understand, uh, I understand where it comes from, but you, you're not anything special. Like, you know what I mean? They don't want to work for things. Well, kids, kids do, because like I mentioned before, when you go to college, when you make that transition, this is the first time they fail. And that's mm-hmm. why I tell them, you are going to fail. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have to tell them tomorrow when we meet our, our girls on our women's team, you're going to fail. The, the freshman, you're going to fail. It's not going to be as easy. So get ready for that. Don't think that somebody's going to walk in and say, oh, your name is so-and-so, I should bow down. Right. No, they're going to come at your head. Mm-hmm. And you can be, better be prepared for it. They're not going to give it to you. So the work ethic that you just mentioned, you have to have that instilled. Mm-hmm. And it's dangerous for to have a society that just wants to sit on his butt mm-hmm. and want and just complain and complain, I want this, I want that. You gotta work. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no way around it. So Stacey, your kids are in sports and things. Yes. Your your son comes home with this trophy. They went 0 and 45 in a season <laughs> and he gets this big trophy, got his name on it, Sanderson Dick at the end of it, say, Mom, look at this thing. What's your response to that? I don't wanna hurt his feelings, but I am kinda over it everybody gets a trophy for showing up. And half the kids don't even show up half the time. You have half a bench and then they come for the last game and they get their trophy for me paying $100 to register you to play. Mm. I, I, it doesn't have that value that it used to have. And I think, too, you having kids coming in from freshman year, you're getting the top of the high school team mm. where they were used to riding that wave of being, you know, the big kahuna at the school. Mm. Then they come in, you're playing against everybody else's high school at their top level. Mm-hmm. So I think that's got to be a hard adjustment for these kids to come down a notch where you might have been the top dog, but you come to college and you're you're right there with everybody else and they're not ready for that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why. I don't know when we made this shift that we made everything easy for these kids. And I'm guilty of it. I definitely clean up my kids' messes a couple times when I shouldn't. I should take my hands off and let them deal with it, but I don't. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. Like as a parent to watch your kids struggle knowing that you can yes. fix it technically, but yeah. you're really in the long run hurting them more yeah. so than, than, than helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me and my wife tell our kids that there's no quitting. You sign up for something, I don't care what it is, you're going to follow through with it. We don't quit. And keep it moving. Um, but it's just a scary place in society right now that it's okay to, to have, you know, that sense of entitlement. And, and uh, I'm looking like, well, who's to blame for this thing? And I'm, of course, I'm looking at us as adults, like we're creating this environment yeah. where. But we didn't grow up that way, so why are we doing this to our kids? Is where well, it's think, a hard. How do we? How did we get here? Right. I think like, some of it goes back to what I was saying. Like, how do I manufacture struggle for my kids at some point in time? Like, and you, as a parent, for me, I don't want them to go through the things that I had to go through. Mm-hmm. And I have the means to do it now. And okay, this is so easy for me to be like, okay, I'm gonna buy them $160 pair of shoes <laughs> that light up that my wife's mad at me about. But yeah. uh, but at the same time, I, I try to make this balancing act. I don't want them to ever feel that pain that I went through. But at the same time, it's good mm-hmm. that I went through it because you know I'm the person I am right now. Yeah. So yeah, I think you have to change with these trophies, getting trophies, and all that. You have to change the meaning of it. You didn't get a trophy because you were good. Mm-hmm. You got a trophy because you, your parents signed you up to play. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's what that trophy is for. Uh-huh. So if you change the definition of why you're getting it, you're not necessarily getting it because you're the best player. Don't think that. You're, you're, you, if you change the definition and say, you get a trophy because you signed up, mm-hmm. but you may get an extra trophy because you were a great leader on the team, or you, you may just be the MVP or best player or the most positive. You have to, we, now that that ship has sailed and it's going to hard, be hard to draw back all that, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. So now you change the definition of what a trophy is and it means you just was on the team. We're it's still- just like a jersey. You get shorts mm-hmm. and a jersey and it's, the trophy comes with it, but that trophy does not mean you're a successful 
Mm-hmm. You're successful, and I think that translates into a career. Because remember back in the day where like the father would go work, and he would come home with the check and be all proud with the check and uh, everything like yeah. that. And I feel like it had more meaning back then. Yeah. Now it's like you know, I, I, it's like the trophy. Like I expect to get a paycheck, but just because I showed up, I should be getting paid. Uh-huh. You know, meanwhile, yeah. you're just sitting there doing nothing, but giving my paycheck. Paid, yeah. You know what I mean? That mentality, that mindset is is something that. Uh, hopefully this podcast can help iron out um, some people and just putting that value back into work and, and wanting to, to, to struggle. I tell mm-hmm. people all the time, I don't want to feel comfortable. I want to struggle because to me, that's progress. You're going to have to struggle. <laughs> to yes. struggle. Um, if it's too easy, it means you're too affluent and you've mm-hmm. just been born with a silver spoon. Right. My spoon was wooden. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to try to put a lot of polish and shine on it, whatever I could do to glaze it up. You know, you got to put that work in to be silver. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and we all share the same wooden spoon. Yeah, for sure did. <laughs> yep. that, that is too funny. Um, I want to move into this concept of fear because I think mindset, uh, fear is a big part of, uh, you know, the mindset. And I think a lot of people don't do things in life because they're afraid to do things. They're afraid to step outside of the box. They're afraid to put forth that work ethic because mm-hmm. they may not get whatever they think they're going to get at the end of it instead mm-hmm. of enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess let's just talk about uh, I think it's something that you were fearful of yourself and how did you uh, work through that process. Let's start with Stacy. I see you <laughs> I, pointing over there. I'm pointing all your equipment here because this was scary for me to, to come on the podcast and I don't like public speaking and I usually cower at that stuff. So when we talked, I jumped right on it because I'm like, if I think about this too much, I'm going to overthink it uh, and give myself yes. 80 reasons why I can't mm, do it. Yep. So, so your, your process is this. I'm just going to jump into I'm it. I'm Nike. Just do it. Because you know what? <laughs> Half the time, it's not as bad as what you work up in your head. Right. And mm. the more time you think, the more crazy stuff you can come up with as mm. to why you can't do it. That's how mm-hmm. powerful the mind is. Right. I think I got to a point where, and I think I said this in the last podcast, like, I'm really not afraid of anything. Like, just because I went through a whole lot of things, like, I don't even think that way. Like, it's just a matter of, is it, does it align with my core values, or do I really want to do this thing? Well, I'm just going to try it. I'm going to try podcasting to see what happens. I'm going to try public speaking list to see what happens. I'm going to go try coaching, you know, whatever. I'm going to run this nonprofit, whatever. I'm just going to jump in. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are just afraid to, to make a move. I don't know why. Like, I just, maybe they just want to feel comfortable all the time. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, like, comfortable anymore isn't comfortable. It's... It, the world is almost set up against you a lot of ways now mm. with social media. You're seeing Demiso do all this great stuff, and they're probably sitting there saying, I could never do this. I wouldn't even know where to start, so I can't do it. I'm just done. I, can't, I have nothing positive to give. I don't have anything to offer, so I'm just going to sit here. Mm. But you're not, you're just sitting there then. That's that's your life, is you're not really moving forward. It's so how do you get somebody to break out of that, that cycle? How do we get people moving in, in, into a right direction? Well, they have to understand that there's nothing wrong with being fearful. Um, and, the, and once again, you can learn from your fears, but to challenge them and overcome them, you're going to have to, you're going to have to find a way to, to just, just do it. Like you said, too much, too many thoughts and brings on more anxiety and more mm-hmm. doubt and more negative thoughts. And for example, when I first became a pro, I got a call before I became a pro, Phil Martelli from St. Joe's called and said, I got a job for you but it's in Beirut. I said, okay, I'm taking it. I didn't bat an eye. I had an ex-girlfriend who was in the military. She was like, you're not going. I said, I'm going to Beirut. I'm starting my career. A little bit of fear, but I was told that, you know, we can go over there. We can sign into the U.S. Embassy and all that type of stuff, and we'll be, you know, we'll be safe with that. And all, everybody I told her, I'm going to Beirut. I'm you're going to Beirut? You're freaking crazy. <laughs> but what you saw on that TV from America was not the same as you when I got there. When I got there, it was, it was, it was pretty bad, you know, the, the terms of infrastructure and all that and the bombs and stuff. But the only way I could overcome it was to go through it. I mean, and I did hear bombs. I did hear, I did see Israel bomb Hezbollah a whole bunch of times and my chandeliers falling in my house and I'm running under my bed and calling my gym manager to get me the hell out of here. <laughs> I did do that. But my, my, my Lebanese friends, a lot of great Lebanese friends, they, they, they comforted me about, no, no, it's not going to happen. We, we have a treaty and we have a truce and everything will be okay. But in myself, I was terrified. I, you know, go to the game, everybody checking your bags for bombs and everything. But when you get in, the atmosphere was great. Mm-hmm. It was uh, tremendous. It was a lot of electric 
activity in that in those gyms. They loved the game, and then they, despite their situation, uh, they had a tough situation over there. Mm. They're still coming out and being happy. They're still coming out and being not scared of you know getting my bomb one day. So I'm saying to myself, if they're not scared, why why should I be scared? You know, because the bombs don't discriminate. <laughs> no. If something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen. So I went through that, and and I went '97, and then I they called me back in 2001. I went again, hmm. despite you know I did see some shaky stuff. <laughs> Got some other stories, but most of all, it was it was great. It was a fear that was something I had to overcome, and I learned it. Okay, that was my first stop as a pro. After that, I was afraid to go anywhere. Hmm. Because, you know, coming back to America, Americans, they don't, you know, they watch that TV and I'll never go there. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been there. Mm-hmm. And it's not as bad as you think. So mm-hmm. just that is not as bad as you think, you know, overcoming some things. that You put a big picture in your head and it's scary and it's a big boogeyman or it's a big this. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. So people got to get out of their own way. It's their perception yeah. of what they yes. think is going to happen. Like, yeah. you know, they, they're making that projection. Like you, know, like you said, it's this big, scary monster thing. And you all open the door, it ain't anything in there. Yeah, because I, 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 mean, I heard a saying, I don't know who said it, is what we fear doing most is usually what we most need to do. Hmm. And, I, and I think that's the main thing that you should take away in terms of overcoming fear. You have to do. Hmm. I mean, if something you don't need to do, don't do it. If you're scared of Bungee jumping, just don't do it. <laughs> but if you want to, you know, if you want to get a new job or start a new field or something, or do something you've never done before, try to create a whole new you, go do it. Go try it. Because if you don't try it, the, the fear beats you. People always make excuses, too. And I, mm-hmm. uh, as I'm getting older now, I'm seeing people that, well, I've been in this career for 10, 15 years, and why do I want to make this change? And, and even yeah. if they're passionate and their purpose, it might be somewhere else. So, they're so yes. scared to, to make yeah. that, that, that change. Because they're uncomfortable. Right, right. So in terms of how you overcame fear, like where did that come from? Like How did, how did you develop that, like that just-do-it attitude? Well, it goes back to what we, we started with a mindset. I think all this has underlying what mindset is, everything. Um, my mom told me, you can go see the world, you can do whatever you want to do, just get education, mm. you know, treat people the way you want to be treated, and you can go and do anything in this world that you want to do. And I really believed that mm-hmm. as a child. And we talked about it earlier, what you put in your children is so precious. Mm. They're so precious right now. Mm-hmm. You know, They have to be instilled and, and put in a lot of positive reinforcement with mm-hmm. themselves and how they feel, how they look, what their name is, where they come from, everything. Mm-hmm. If you empower them, which is the main mm-hmm. topic, the main thing, they, they can feel like they're, they're feelers. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong, I'm, you know. I was told when I was young, I can do anything and I'm gonna try to do it. Mm-hmm. That's what my mother did and that's the way I was raised. I think the wonderful thing do it. about your mother is that she taught that same lesson to everybody. You know, and oh, it yeah. was there, you know what I mean? So <laughs> definitely in yeah. her own unique way, yeah. but she yeah. definitely taught yeah. it to, to everybody. And, and and it's kind of off topic though, but it's talking about community. Like we don't have that sense of community anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Yes, and, and, yes. You know, the Stanger Avenue was <laughs> epitome of, of of a community built, you know, with, with mainly just mothers raising males. Mm-hmm. But all the mothers knew, hey, you keep eye on my kid, I keep eye on yours, and they all get treated the same way. Mm-hmm. And we all knew that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't act out of pocket. You, mm-hmm. you, you, that strap would come out, or that punch <laughs> would come out, and that was it. And then you get it when you get home. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get it two times. But I think that sense of community developed that mindset in us. Like, you know what I mean? And, and as we grow as an adults, and I think the beauty, beautiful thing about it is, is that like, you know, I went away to Connecticut, Roz, everyone goes there a mm-hmm. different way. You went overseas. But when we get back together, it's just it's, it's still the same. It's the same, same, the same you know, values. Thing, you know, yep. the same values, that same mindset. Um, it's it's really. Did you grow up in a community that was like. Yeah, it was a dead end street. So the kids in the neighborhood were together. But mm-hmm. it was more. Um, I lived with my mom. She worked. So we were at my grandmother's a lot in the summer when we were off because she worked all day mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But. Um, yeah, I guess it was the same kids were over and you knew you had to behave at somebody's house or mm-hmm. your mom was getting a phone call and you were deep when you got home. Are you in a community like that right now? I'm in the farmlands of New Jersey. It's a, you, you know, you can't even trick or treat in our neighborhoods. Everybody's too far away. We all go to like somewhere else. It's, I mean, we do with our neighbors and stuff like that. We're, right. we're tight with our neighbors, but it's not as like it used to be. So you ride around on a tractor? I don't have a tractor. <laughs> Maybe a riding mower that doesn't. We do have quads in the show. Right. There you go. <laughs> But when you 
were saying like empowering the kids, like your mom empowered you. Do you think that maybe is where there's a fine line now between empowering your kid is one thing, but telling your child constantly, they're fantastic, you're wonderful, you're this. It's not a bad thing, but do you think we're sugarcoating the empowerment as we're not making them own it, I guess? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, is that where it's getting blurred? Because that's what your mom did is fantastic, and you've, you've used that your whole life to get to where you are. But why are these kids now, they want the trophy for doing nothing? Like, where, where are we taking empowerment and making a shift into, you know, we're feeding them positive things, but they're not, they're not said right. They're, no, something's off. They, they're, not bringing, they're not coming back to reality enough. It's all, everybody's in, you know, when I, I can go to my phone and get totally out of reality right away. And these kids can do it too, or the computer. They can get totally fulfilled what they want. They don't have any, you know, idea about what, you know, determination and and and, and you know sticking with things, stick to itiveness. They don't they don't have that. They they just jump to something else that gratifies them. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's too much. I'm telling my kids today, get off the iPad, pick yeah, up a book, you know, mm-hmm. leave it alone, come back to reality. Enhance yourself. Stop looking at stuff that's just making you, your brain, have all these positive reactions and these fantasies. Because mm-hmm. there's a chemical reaction when they, you get on the phone or you get on your computer and just look at stuff that's making you pleased, and you get all carried away, mm-hmm. and then you put it down. You may turn the computer off, but that that that's things that you learn is still continuing. You got to cut that off and come back yeah. to reality. Right. I think part of it. <laughs> My mom did that really, really, really good. <laughs> what did we have? Like Atari. I mean, we couldn't do anything like these kids yeah. do today. I couldn't even touch Atari if I didn't do my homework, if I didn't have no. the grades. Right. <laughs> Consequences, yeah. man. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think also the parents, it's just easier. Like, they don't, you don't, your kids putting up a fuss and, and yeah. arguing and things. It's just easier to be like, all right, here, here's the iPad or here, yes. here's or whatever. Or waiting anywhere, doctor's offices. Uh, you know, if you have an appointment yes. for your car, you bring the devices with you because mm-hmm. it keeps them busy while you're waiting because they yes. can't. But that's not, that's robbing them of learning how to be patient. Right. Right. Yes. It's... But I think parents need to start to be creative. Like, I posted something on Facebook the other day with my daughter doing homework, right? Jaden hates homework. And I was like, I have to figure yep. out a way to make her do this homework. So, yeah. all right, no, at the end of the day, you got to do the homework. I'm going to have to figure out how to make yep. it fun, how to do something, but we go sit here and do this homework. And mm-hmm. then at the end of the video, I cut it short. She started getting in her you know, crying nose and stuff uh, like that. All right, I backed off a little bit. And uh, then she still got a couple more pages in this packet to do. But I just think that. Parents, we give up too easy, yes. and I think it's that's creating that 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 sense of entitlement, and it's okay to to quit and and not do things. Yeah, because the sense of entitlement didn't come from the kids; it came from the parents. <laughs> <laughs> and, like you said, we're trying to do better, but same, we're cutting our legs out from under us. Right. Right. Yes, yes, and right. it's a slippery slope. We better be careful. It's right. all about reeling it back and coming back to reality. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the, the homework must be done. It's gotta get done. You can't, there's no way around it. Unless you want to do, stay in the same grade all your life, you have to do the work. Right. And these kids, though, they follow people on Instagram. My kids don't have social media yet. I'm the mean mom. They're not getting it yet. Because they're, they're too young to know what they're putting out there. And yes. No Snapchat? Yes. No, they, they like the filters on my sister's phone, but they don't, I don't even know how that works. They got, they got an account. You just don't know about it. I, I'm on my computer checking their phones because they're my old, I know what they, That's they don't great. have a phone number. They watch That's Stampy Cat from talk to your husband. They got an account. No. <laughs> but they I'm follow these celebrities and they see this lifestyle they're living and but they don't see the work behind it that got them there. So the basketball players that they follow, my son in the NBA loves Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. So they're seeing them get these big contracts and they're getting all these endorsements and they're getting this, but they're not seeing what these guys did to, to get they didn't just mm. shoot a little bit on a Sunday afternoon and call it a day. Like they, they, they put devoted their, lives, their life to that. They put their lives in the gym. They put their lives in that basketball and that and that and that basket. I mean it's a total sacrifice that you got to make, and you got to make a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. I'm gonna do it. Brain, sleep, or snow. We didn't see athletes' lifestyles, and I mean, you just musicians. You'd see the videos on MTV, which they don't even make anymore. But we, we saw our generation outcomes. didn't mm-hmm. see a whole lot of what they did in their personal life, unless mm-hmm. it was on a trash magazine. Now these kids can follow them on. I mean, I don't remember seeing a whole lot about. I don't even remember having like no. a favorite athlete and was no. like, yo, I want to be like him. Like, I, that was not be even like, Mike. like <laughs> that, the only, that was the only slogan from until, until then, yeah, you know, but yeah, I didn't, ha- I didn't have one. I, I, I knew players I wanted to play like, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what if I wanted to be like them. That's a difference. <laughs> yeah. um, 
and you didn't see the work. You just had to believe what everybody told you. Yeah, but now they can see them with their car and their mm. house, and they're dating this one, and they're wearing this mm. watch, and they're doing. Well, they have to be taught. The parents, we have to do a better job of every aspect. Like you said, dating. You don't yeah. have to date. You really don't have to date because a lot of times dating can take you away from what you want to do. Mm. They have to be realistic about everything, mm -hmm. and and you have to micromanage some things that. It's, a, it's about changing the meanings of things. You can't just say you want to win and you want to have this house and this wife and all this. It doesn't work that way. Mm. You may you you may get into a relationship that's going to be detrimental. They telling you to do the opposite of what you really want to do. So you have to you know that's one. You have to go to the next level. The next level. We have to have new definitions of what everything that comes out of our mouths. Everything is not encompassing with, you know, mm. being successful. You may have a divorce. You may have two or three divorces. That means you probably shouldn't have got married or you should mm. stay a little bit. Or something's wrong with you, right? Yeah, yeah. So now we have to take definitions and ch kind of change them because it doesn't mean everything that it used to mean. Mm -hmm. So it's important to, to be straight up and straight down with your kids. And they may be like, huh? Yeah, it, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like that. So let's stick with this, the definition, right? And I want to really... I guess each of us talk about what is our definition of winning? Like, what does success mean to you? I mean, it should be obviously different to uh, everyone. Everyone should have their own level of success. Absolutely. And I think what society is doing right now is saying that this is what success looks like. You know, you had a big house, big fence, and all mm -hmm. this other stuff. And people would try to kill themselves to get there. And when they get there, they're unhappy. Like, mm -hmm. so yep. on a personal level, like, what does success or winning look like in your, in your world? Um, I guess that my kids are doing the right thing. I'm raising them right. I want good, decent human beings at the end of the day. That's my job mm -hmm. as a mom. Um, I'd like to let go of stress a little bit. That would be a win for me to not have the weight of the world on my shoulders all the time. Um, Is that self-imposed though? Or I think so. I think I just probably. take on things that I don't need to take on for no reason other than to stress that's, myself that's, out. That's <laughs> you know, yeah. finances, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm you running numbers like, all right, this broke, this broke, and this broke this month. What do we, you know, how right. are we going to make that up in this? And I don't need to do that. It'll, right. it'll all write itself. And if I keep, like Stephanie touched on the law of attraction last week, is what you put out there is what comes back. And mm -hmm. I know that I was putting out a lot of negative, oh, this is happening to me, this is happening to me. Life happens for you. It doesn't happen to you. I think everything mm -hmm. happens to teach you. Like you said, you learn from the things that you think are, mm -hmm. everybody has tragedy, everybody has heartache, everybody has different things happen. You have to learn how to kind of rebuild. Mm -hmm. I think my level uh, definition of success is it's sort of along the same lines as you. I just want my kids to do better than I did. So my whole purpose right now is to set the bar so high for them. And then them look at me and be like, well, if daddy came from here, made it to here, I don't have an excuse. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I don't have those barriers that he had. So I, there's no excuse for me not to be the astronaut or whatever it is that I want to do. Um, which on the side is parents out there. You got to stop killing your kids dreams like there there's I go through this all the time Especially as a, a principal um, a, a kid might say I want to make film do films or I want to be a basketball player And then everyone's like you should have a plan B or you should um, not do that And you should be a lawyer or whatever it is and we, I see this all the time and these kids walk around not knowing You know what their future is going to be like there's no plan. There's nothing, you know that their dream was shot I tell kids all the time, you want to be a basketball player, be a basketball player. Yeah, there is absolutely. no plan B. There's this plan A. Go after it. Absolutely. And that ball has air in it and it will bounce. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, you'll you'll get to a place. You'll get somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, It may not be what you had in mind, but it's going to take you somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, but, but my whole thing about winning is just I just want my kids to do better than than you know than I, I've done. On a personal level, I just want to be a better Camiso every day. Yes. Uh, you know what I'm saying, and, and it's not so linear. You know, I do <laughs> have some setbacks, yeah. and I got to climb my way back up. This is human, but that's that's what winning is to me. Yeah, for me, for me, it's all the same thing because I have two boys that are, you know I take care of, and I you know I have um, custody of. I want them to wake up and say, "Daddy, I slept good last night. I had a great sleep." That means the day before, the night before, you went to bed early, mm -hmm. or maybe not early, but you had enough sufficient sleep. You had a good sleep and you weren't, you didn't wake up tired or groggy. I want them to wake up and say, Daddy, let's, I'm, what are we doing today? Mm. And I'm happy with that. Mm. After they brush their teeth. <laughs> but, but, um. Why is that such a struggle? <laughs> like, wake up and brush your teeth. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, success is something that, in, in winning, you don't win, you, you don't try to win everything. Mm. You just win little, you get little wins. Mm -hmm. you, you get little small ones. You, my, my kids, they know. They wake up and they karate chop them pillows and flatten their bed. Mm -hmm. They spread out in the bed and 
you know, then they can come talk to me and everything. They feel confident, mm. you know. They feel super that they can make their own bed mm. without asking daddy to help. And I love it. Mm. I love it every day. And, and and I try to tell them, success is not something that you, you try to go get. You want to attract it. Mm. You want that to come. You want success. But success is looking for some place to lay. Mm-hmm. In that pool, how deep, whatever, how deep it is, there's some kids in there, they're having fun. Mm-hmm. That's success. Yep. You know, you're, you're, you want that to come to you. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to chase it. You want to chase it in terms of your personal development, but you you want that ultimate success to come to you. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes to uh, what you said in terms of the world gives you what you give it. Mm-hmm. Like yes. my whole mentality is like I'm just gonna give as much as I can until the world feels like it can't live without me. And then that's when it's gonna come back. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. a hundredfold um, for for me. Um, I guess as, as a takeaway for the podcast, um, one thing that I would recommend the audience to do, um, that it kind of all ties in, you definitely need to do that self-assessment piece. You definitely need to have that value system um, in play. Um, but also just realize that as a, as a parent and as an adult, you wear so many different hats all day long. And, and you've got to stay in the moment. That mindset, you've got to stay in the moment. And I think we were talking about this earlier before the podcast. Like when I go to work, I'm thinking about work. I can't fix my problems at home when I'm in my office. So I don't really think about my family when I'm at work. And vice versa, I try to you know, make sure that that happens and vice versa when I'm here, thinking about my family and not work. And you gotta learn how to departmentalize your life. A lot of us carry so much stuff and have a lot of stuff on our shoulders and they try to take on everything at the same time. And, and the bad part, sad part for me is I'm seeing kids do the same thing carrying that baggage and I said you can't worry about I know you're gonna go home and ain't gonna be no food there and you're gonna have abusive parents and stuff but you can't fix that right now you got to be in that moment right there and right now and that's one of the things that I definitely want to teach my children is how to be in the moment Mm -hmm. um so a huge takeaway for me would be just to learn how to to live in that moment and just give it the best that you possibly can and just do it. Like, who cares? Yeah. If it doesn't work, it don't work. It's going yep. to take you somewhere. So if you guys have a, a takeaway for everybody of some sort. Here we go. You can go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and get, like you said, just, just try. Uh, every day, wake up and you have to take action. If you want to change your mentality, if you're living in that negative, lacking you know, mindset like I kind of am digging out of, it, it takes work and you have to make sure that you're putting your, your focus on that for a little bit. And like, how am I going to do this different today? Set small goals, visualize yes. things. And you have to enjoy the journey, not just keep your eyes on that destination. Because you know what? Your path could take you on a different, better mm-hmm. journey. And that destination doesn't even, mm-hmm. isn't even a blip on your radar anymore. Mm-hmm. You could do so much more. So, six or say trust the process. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you're not six or fan? I have to be. No. You don't have to be. You I want my kids you. to be Eagles fans. I have to be. See, a you're raising them wrong already. <laughs> raising them wrong. Uh, Demetrius, any takeaways? Uh, I, I, I tell my kids, I tell my players, um, because I've been, I've been coaching. I've learned so much from coaching. You know, coaching different levels, you know, from high school to grown men in Europe, uh, especially for the last t- for 10 years, uh, coming back and coaching college kids, is play the next play. Things go wrong, keep your head forward, keep moving. Mm. And it's just to keep it simple. It's just something like that. Just play the next play. Mm. Whether it's, okay, I didn't get the loan that I wanted or I didn't get the insurance company that I wanted, just go, just keep moving forward. Just play the next play. Mm. Because then you'll, you'll, you won't find yourself stuck and, and wallowing and negativity and, and, and a lot of bad thoughts. Just keep moving forward. Mm. Keep being positive. Keep moving forward and and and, and challenge your barriers. That's dope. We're gonna move into faith and humanity. I actually have a story that reminded me and I put it in the book and Demetrius probably doesn't even remember the story. But um I went to the beach. We all went to the beach. I think it was uh, one of Randy's relatives. We went with a church group and I was like eight years old. And you didn't have that myth, like, you're not supposed to go in the water after you eat or whatever. So dumb me, we had hoagies or whatever. I go in there, and I'm in the ocean, and nobody's around me. And I get cracks in both of my legs. The tide starts taking me out. I just feel these two arms come behind me and lift me out the water. 
you uh, saved uh, my life. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah, I do remember. Yes, yes. So I want to thank you because I wouldn't be here right now. So that's my my faith in humanity story. Uh, this is what. Oh share. wow! Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I put it I in totally the book. I'm definitely. I was like, well, we, I, I gotta tell that story. So no, wow. no hoagies before you swim. No hoagies before you swim. <laughs> that's the big takeaway today. Uh-huh. If I were to have a six eight two hundred fifty pound guy pull <laughs> you out of the water. Yeah, you can eat the hoagie, but you gotta have somebody like me swim alongside you. You were that big when he was eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I was he, he was born 6'8". <laughs> he was definitely Wow, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I just recognized that you were you were hurt, and I, you know, I just picked you up and, and let's go. Yeah, it was a scary thing. Like I could not yeah. move. I, saw I the do water, remember I that. Like, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Wow, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I was like, I bring that up today. Wow. Um, but Stacy, faith in humanity. I know you wanted to um, hit on uh, a topic. Yeah, I guess close to you because you know some people that are down there. Yeah, this, affected. W- this week with Harvey, I think we've seen a lot of good come out of our nation. People mm-hmm. bonding together, going down there, you know, helping out, donating what they can. So it's nice to see people pulling together. I, I hate that it's always on the heels of tragedy. I wish right. we could see this That's more, a, right. mm-hmm. but we tend to see yep. it after something big. So it's still there. Mm-hmm. We just need to start showing it more. I think it happens all the time. Just people right. just are, for whatever reason, don't share the good stuff all the time. They're just, they want to put that negative stuff out there. Right. Be the first to, to say this happened in Hollywood. This happened. Why? It, right. You know. Mm-hmm. I should... think, even though it's so super tragic, like it came off the hills of Charlottesville, right? So everyone was talking about that. Like, you know what? And then you see people of all kinds of races and colors helping each other in, in, in those moments. And it kind of put Charlottesville and, and, and you know, on the back burner. Um, but like you said, I mean, people just need to start dealing with people on a human level. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. We all in the same boat. We all bleed the same way. Um, mm-hmm. We all are going to need needs, and we need to really start working and, and, and living together. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, it's, yeah. it, it, it's um, it, it, like you said, it's too bad when we wait for the worst thing to happen to come together. Mm-hmm. And do the same thing with war. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different topic, but, <laughs> you know, everybody comes together when we go to war in different countries. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's insane why we wait till the last minute mm-hmm. to come together, and I think it's uneducated mm-hmm. to be. Bl- I'm 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 bluntly honest. Mm-hmm. It's very uneducated to treat people the way we do in this country because mm-hmm. a lot of different countries they don't. Mm-hmm. They they treat people. Sweden's a beautiful country. They help everybody. Mm-hmm. They want to generally from their heart help everybody. Not everybody, but as a whole, generalizing, they do want people to do well. And they, they take a lot of immigrants and refugees and they and they build up their lives and everything as a whole. But here it just wow. Well, when are we gonna learn? We don't have to wait till a funeral to come together. Why? Mm. It's too late. Yep. We should do it every day. Everybody's going through something every single day. And like you just said, we should deal with people on the human level. That needs to be taught in school though. Mm-hmm. That these what we're getting taught in school, some of these things I'm telling my kids. You can go get your A, but it's really not the truth. Mm. And and I have to tell them that. And I, I'm like, and they're looking at me like, well, Christopher Columbus did discover America. I'm like, listen, let's <laughs> let's have a real conversation about it. It did right. not happen that way. Right. So you, you, we have to start t- being truthful to one another to to see that we are humans. Mm-hmm. If we just wait till catastrophe, then oh, I'll see you next catastrophe. <laughs> And we need to be accountable too, because right. we are. I mean, everybody's guilty of spreading gossip or tell, you know talking yes. to somebody in a negative way. But yes. the media, I think, really drives a wedge between yeah. everybody. They they just put stuff out yes. there all well, the but time. But negativity. Sorry, you were in the media. I was business. in the media, and I had this argument the other day with people. <laughs> the media is only giving people what what they want. At the yes. end of the day, it's a business. It's supply and demand. People yes. want that stuff. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep feeding it to you. Yes. When we stop turning the TV off, and when once we start turning the TV off and say no, we don't want that, the media is gonna change. That's it. what I do there, in my house. There's no there's no man behind the scenes feeding information to people, making mm-hmm. you think a certain way. Uh, uh-huh. Like you know what I mean? There, you think about it. Movie makers, people that make movies, it's like all right. People get scared when a clown comes out of the closet. Ugh. I'm gonna make a movie about a clown coming out the closet. That's what people want. Yeah, it's all about making money. Well, well negativity. We need negativity because that's part of our survival. So when you hear something negative, you don't want to do that, or you want to stay away from it, and you don't want anything to do it. You want to get better than that. 
So we do need the negativity, but not so much in like a you know like a tsunami negativity. <laughs> you you need you need negativity because you got to know how to survive. Because you don't know negativity, you just go out oblivious <laughs> to everything and just get knocked on the head. <laughs> but you got to learn from it, and you don't you got to know what to take out of the negativity. I mean, it, it, it's so much, and it is so much, and it's glamorized here in the states. It is because I I've had tremendous amount of experience elsewhere half of my life's been overseas 17 years they don't you know they don't process it the same way we do is we're we jump on negative all the time here but we have to understand that negative stuff helps us survive and but you have to sift out what is really overblown and what's you know really out of touch and what's really really too negative and too hateful mm. and the hate part comes in too much here mm. When I look at the hurricane um, in any you know situation like that, I, I, I kind of think about life. And I tell people all the time, I said, the storm is coming. You talk about failures. You're going to fail. The storm is going to come. Mm -hmm. How are you going to respond in that? Stay like, there's up. people that will run, you know, let me get in the car and get out of there. There's people that's going to loot and do negative things. Yep. But yep. then there's people that might say, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to start over. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the midst of that storm, you know, sometimes you might want to sit back and say, you know what, all right, my house is, is, is destroyed, it's gone, but it's time for me to start over. Mm -hmm. Now I can reinvent myself and start doing things positive. So I think, you know, just in terms of, it, to me, that compasses everything, that, that fear, the mindset, the, all of that yes, stuff. Yes, like, yes, you know what I mean? The storm's does. definitely coming. You got to be able to dance in the rain. One of my favorite quotes um, that I uh, live by, because mm -hmm. it's coming. Um, any closing remarks before we get out of here? For me, like I said, play the next play. Um, I texted that quote the other day. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. That's deep. Yeah. Well, make sure you are leaving us comments on our website. We love to hear from you. Um, we do get um, a couple of them. Um, I didn't share any uh, this week from the last uh, podcast. So I was a little unprepared, to be honest with you. Um, but I'm going to get myself together. Make sure you leave those comments um, and questions for us. And make sure you get that RSS feed if it's working and make sure that, you know, you can get those updates. I'm trying to get us on iTunes and some other platforms. I promise I will do a better job marketing this thing this week and get some more um, views and likes on it. Trying to get to that thousand mark probably uh, before the end of September. That would be a great, great thing for us. Um, our next op our episode, we're going to be talking about opportunity. Um, right now, we possibly will have a special guest, Mr. Gary Monteroso in the building, who is a beer connoisseur slash expert. I know Stacy is looking forward to that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, again, on behalf of Stacy and myself, thank you for listening to the Empowerment Podcast, or Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I'll get it right. See you next time.